Hello and welcome back to the Top of Blues podcast. This is, of course, your source for all things Everton. As always, my name is Thomas Robertson. Joining me is Ellis Nordhoff. We've had a little bit of a break from the podcast. Of course, it was the international break. Ellis decided to, to take a little holiday. Not sure if we, we granted him that holiday over here at the Top of Blues, but <laughs> took it nonetheless. Ellis, uh, we are back, of course, uh, since we last spoke. There's been a, a fair bit of news uh, that we're going to get our teeth into do, uh, into today, Sorry, uh, mainly surrounding the takeover of the club. Of course, aside from all that, there is still football to talk about. But Ellis, uh, you have a nice holiday, mate? I did, yeah. Really good, actually. It was uh, not short of Everton news while I was away, though. No, I mean, there's not been a quiet minute, it feels, for the past couple of weeks, really. Every every day there's been a, a new bit of breaking news. I mean, I think Liverpool Echo are just working over overtime there, just pumping out articles. Uh, a friend, the Esk, of course, is very busy as well. Uh, so we will be getting into all of that. But before we get into the takeover news, it is important, first of all, that, that we talk about Arsenal. We do like to review uh, every match that we have played. Of course, it was quite a few days ago now. Uh, so we're, we're going to kind of look at it from a perspective of we're five days, five days, five games into the season now. Uh, we are on one point. We know that we picked up that one point against Sheffield United. If we looked at the fixtures at the start of the season, probably would have expected quite a few more by this point in time. However, the Arsenal match was a very different one uh, to, to what we've seen so far, I think, Ellis. I think that against Fulham showed really good attacking intent. We've we've looked pretty good going forwards. Saying that, we haven't been scoring goals, but in terms of creating chances, in terms of getting up that XG, which everyone's going mad about, <laughs> that, that that's all that's all looked pretty good. But of course, Arsenal come to town, and it was quite a different story. Yeah, it really was. It was a, a unique game of football, really. We probably won't have a lot of games similar to that this season, and Arsenal were much superior, which, yes, we expected them to be better than us, but it, this was much, much superior. And I was, I was quite disappointed with the performance. I thought that attacking-wise, we did not have much at all. Whenever we received the ball, we just didn't use it very well. I'd say we defended well. Uh, for majority of the game, the fact that they only beat us through a superb set piece shows that we did defend well and we did limit chances. As you said about XG before, we did limit them to some of the lowest they've had all season. But when you're not doing anything when you regain possession, then it doesn't count for much because eventually they're just going to score against you, aren't you? And then if you can't hit back, you're done. Yeah, I think that was the most frustrating part of the day. We just any time we did get the ball back, we were just immediately giving it away. There was just such a lack of composure from pretty much everyone in the midfield. Fairly disappointing performance, I'd say, from the from the likes of Gay and Onana. They they really didn't have their their best game in the Everton shirt, and of course we we did limit them to to one xG. And looking at the stats on this, it looks like we have some of the highest pitch tilt of of, of the season so far. That's a new one, isn't it? I uh, I don't even want to go into that. I'm sure in a, in five years we'll be talking about it. It's something about the amount of time you spend in the final third, I think, isn't it? But we here at the Toffee Blues do not talk about pitch tilt just yet. No, we are we're against we're against pitch tilt currently. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a pretty disappointing performance. It was just a general lack of fight. Really, it just felt like a matter of time until they were going to score. Of course, they didn't have I wouldn't say that many clear cut chances. As we said, the XG was kept very pretty, few actually, pretty minimal, but. We were not doing anything anytime we got on the ball. We weren't going forwards. Defensively, we were relatively solid, but that pretty much just restricted us going forwards. We've we've spoken about how we need to be probably better defensively. I think going forwards, we've, we've looked quite good. 
Dyche has obviously decided, look, <laughs> this couple of weeks in training, we're going to sit down and all we're going to do is defend. And the knock-on effect of that is that we, we've looked pretty toothless in that match, which is which is, is weird now because other than the fact, of course, I keep saying that we've looked good going forwards. We barely scored any goals. But in in terms of the chances created, as I say, we, we have looked pretty impressive. And it, it was just a completely opposite performance. And it's all about now, surely, we've just got to find that balance. We've got Brentford coming up on Saturday. Very different side to Arsenal. It's going to be a very different kind of game. But I don't know, what, what do you make of it, mate? Do you, do you see us finding that balance? Do you see it being more of like an Arsenal performance, where it's back to the walls, more of a Fulham, somewhere in the middle? I really don't know what to make of us at the moment. I'm trying not to take too much from the Arsenal game because I think that is going to be so different to the others. And I think the key to beating Arsenal would have been to be brave and to be strong when you win the ball back in transition. And we just weren't that day. And I think that's where you're going to pick up points on the road as well by being good in transition. So that's something that for the Brentford game has to improve. When we get hold of that ball, we need to be incisive with our passes and we need to be direct and actually make use of the ball when we get hold of it. And I think a lot of that's up to the midfielders. So I'd be hoping to see James Garner in the team on Saturday, actually. And the Brentford game, it, it looks a very difficult prospect because they are fantastic at home, of course. But... It's one of them, I think, you've got to combine what we've done this season in both boxes together in one game, which we haven't been able to yet. And I think if you can defend like you did against Arsenal, yet create the chances that we did against Wolves and Fulham with a striker, then we might have a chance. But that's an incredible amount of things to all fall into place for us. But I'm hopeful that we can give them a game because the Aaron uh, not the Aaron Hickey situation with him playing at left back because of Rico Henry's injury is an interesting one. I think that could make their defense a bit more vulnerable, but it's not one of them games where we're going we're definitely going to win because we haven't won yet, but we really need to. Yeah, as you said, five games in now, we're on one point. We've scored twice. They both came against Sheffield United where we did pick up that point. Uh, we have lost four and when you look at the fixtures, Fulham at home, Wolves at home, okay, Villa away, that was that wasn't great. We don't have to dwell on that for too long. Arsenal, I didn't really expect many points. Did expect to beat Sheffield United. And I think we've, we've already dropped quite a few crucial points this season. But then on the other hand, you look at Brentford quietly not having a tremendous season. I mean, they are on six points. They've only lost once, but they've only won one game as well. They picked up three draws. And that's a, I think they've rescued a couple of those draws as well. It hasn't exactly been, well, there's no such thing as a as a convincing draw. But but if you know what I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't like set in stone. A couple of them they did have to rescue later on. And, uh, Brentford aside, who've had a fairly mixed start to the season. Last season had a were pretty solid defensively. They've already conceded six this year. And as you mentioned there, Rico Henry out for the rest of the season, a major part of that defence. So, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned there about Aaron Hickey. If we go down our right-hand side, down their left-hand side, it's definitely something that that, that we could expose. And, and Brentford aside, who maybe they, they haven't quite looked them, themselves from last season. They have rescued a couple of draws late on, and they've only picked up three points so far. I know that's I know that's one more win than us, of course. The, the lofty yeah. heights of, of, of getting three points, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what you make of Brentford. Is. I think there's definitely an opportunity there. I mean, they are pretty solid at home. It's it's hard to say that we're definitely going to go and win. Could we pick up a point? Probably, but I think there is a chance to win. But Brentford this season, kind of hard to, hard to kind of gauge what they're going to be like on Saturday. Yeah, I think a lot of credit has to be given to Thomas Frank for how he's managed to set them up without Ivan Tony. That was always the story around Brentford this season, wasn't it? How are they going to deal without him? And so far, I think they've dealt pretty well. From the points tally, yes, it isn't brilliant, but the, the Bournemouth game, they stole that really. They didn't deserve a point there. And then they absolutely dispatched a Fulham, which was superb for them. And then... Uh, the Tottenham game, I thought they played really well in that 2-2 draw as well. And we know how good they are at home. We know 
what they're like. We haven't actually won at the GTEC Community Stadium yet. So, of course, it is going to be a difficult task. But I think that there's a chance with with the defensive deficiencies they've now got, they might have to bring in one of their right-backs, like uh, Roeslev might have to come in. Um, I was speaking to Lewis from Besotted a few, uh, yesterday, actually, and he was telling me about how that is a worry for them. They are worried about their fullback situation. But then I said to him, we're worried about our fullback situation as well, aren't we? Because we've still got our captain out and the fullbacks are struggling for form at the moment, really. So it could just be the game decided by whose fullbacks play better. Yeah, definitely. And the fullbacks is, is definitely something we could talk about because before the international break, it looked like Mikhailenko was pretty much out the reckoning. It seems like maybe he wasn't fully fit now. So, going off what Daish has said, he's gone away in the international break, had a fairly good game against England. I thought, I mean, I didn't watch much of it, but uh, I watched parts of it and he, and he looked relatively solid. And then he came back on the side uh, against Arsenal and it was Nathan Patterson that's been dropped. Patterson, of course, we've mentioned him quite a few times on the pod, had a bit of a shaky start to the season. We want to see him develop. We want to see him given the opportunity to develop because at the moment he's kind of just been thrown straight into it because, as you mentioned, Seamus Coleman's still injured. We Ashley Young is playing on either side, but he's not an out-and-out right-back by, by any means. So, I don't know, do you expect to see Mikalenko on the side again? Absolutely, without a doubt. I thought he was one of our better players against Arsenal. I thought he just he dealt with Saka pretty well on the whole. Not perfect, but you wouldn't expect a perfect game against a player of Saka's quality. And I think he really was solid. He doesn't get forward, does he? We know that. And hopefully that is something that can be coached into him because it does affect us quite a lot when you have fullbacks who aren't getting that far forward. You know, with Young on the other side, who's 38 years old, you then lose a key element of your team if your fullbacks aren't getting up. But Mikhailenko as a defensive fullback is pretty solid on the whole. He's He's had some very shaky moments in recent months, but from what I saw against Arsenal, it gives me a bit of hope that he can really just stay in that left-back position for now. And my next hope would be for Patterson to do the same. And I thought, really, it was a bit harsh that he didn't start against Arsenal. I did call for it because I just thought it was, he needed a bit of time out of the spotlight, but he played quite well against Sheffield United, so hopefully he can build on that. And in reality, he's the right-back that we want to see start in every game because he's the one that's going to be here in potentially two, three years. Yeah, if Mikelenko if Mikelenko can can put together a to, together a good run of form, then we can pretty much solidify that left back spot, and it does give that breathing room for Patterson, where Young can play there, and maybe eventually when Coleman comes back, literally no idea what the time frame is on that one. I've not seen anything about that for for months, months really. I've got no idea when when Sheamus will be back, but elsewhere we didn't see Jack Harrison against Arsenal. Looks like we probably won't see him again this week. We thought he might be fit after the international break. That looks like it's kind of just trundling along but elsewhere we we look everyone looks pretty relatively fit we had Calvert-Lewin back who we didn't get to see him in a two with Beto yes but let's see if we might see that against Brentford because that's that's Won't exactly what that. we want to see oh yeah I can't wait for it if, if we get to see that but Calvert-Lewin back fit McNeil back fit the only player we, we are really missing now apart from Coleman is, is Jack Harrison what, what do you make of Harrison though now no we and it was the reason that Villa didn't sign him because he was going to be injured for quite a while but we did kind of assume that he'd be back after the international break. That's kind of what we were told, I think. I think we all pretty much expected that to happen. But now, a couple of games after, we, we, we still haven't seen him uh, in an Everton shirt. To be honest, I think he's probably pretty much fit now and it's just getting to that Deitch fit level that we talk about. I think that's probably the situation with him now because he is training his knees on the training photos this week. And we're really looking forward to getting him in the team because it's another option, isn't it? Whether he starts or not, he will just be an option from the bench or... I think he's a player that's going to bring a lot to us with those 12 goals and assists he got for Leeds last year. That's invaluable for us, isn't it? And I think you'll see Dwight McNeil get a bit fitter now as well. So that's kind of like 
another player coming back from injury because he should be a lot better than he was in the first two appearances that he made since his injury. So that's a good sign as well. Calvert-Lewin, is hopefully he can get some more minutes. Like you say, I'd absolutely love to see the two up front. And I think that'll probably come in the Luton and Bournemouth games. It'd be interesting if he did it against Brentford. That'd be extremely brave, but I'd be excited. And I think that could give us the lift that we need because really those two fellas up front are going to hold the ball up. And the only worry really is the midfield, whether that can be stable in a two because it hasn't looked that stable in a three. So that's the that's the worry, isn't it? But for me, sooner rather than later, I think we'll see that two up top. But the other injuries to come back, Deli Alley as well. Of course, we've got six or seven games we can use him for. So he's due to come back. And then Seamus, I think we'll really benefit from Seamus being back, to be fair. I think he's, if he is anything like he was last season, then he'll be a valuable member of the squad, even if he doesn't start every game, just to take Patterson out of the limelight when he needs it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Deli Ali, I, I completely forgot he was there for a minute. So you mentioned that. It does seem like we have a few games. I don't know if we'll ever see him again in an Everton shirt, to be fair. I don't know if Dyche will fancy him. He's probably a long way off fitness as well and getting up to speed with the rest of the squad. But hopefully we might get a glimpse of Jack Harrison. I, as he said, I don't think we'll end up seeing the better with Calvert-Lewin link up up front just yet because that would be incredibly brave to go for that. And where the midfields looked relatively shaky against Arsenal. There's been cries for, for Renata to play in that in that sixth role where he plays for Belgium. We saw a bit more of that against Arsenal and he looked a bit shaky again. We kind of just don't have that player. Maybe somewhere Jimmy Garner can go if we if he managed to fight his way back into the side because at the end of the day, it looks like Dice was only putting him in the side because he could play on the right but doesn't fancy him centrally, which I find quite interesting. Hopefully we do see him though if we end up if we stick to that three midfield, I don't think you can take Decore out is the problem. I think Decore is still a relatively big threat for us going forwards, which feels ridiculous to say. Uh, he ended up being pretty much like the dice stop scorer last season, and you can't really drop Onana or Gay as well. So it is really tricky to see where where Garner gets in. But hopefully, we do see him get some minutes going forwards. But I don't know. Have you got any any predictions for the match, others? I think it'll be a a score draw. I think we're unlikely to keep him out, and I think we will get a goal. I think that's. The, the attacking signs are there and I do think we'll score, but I can't really see us winning. I'd love to say it. And I think we need it, don't we? We need that massive performance away from home to really kickstart our season. But I do think it'll be a draw. So I'll probably go 2-2. Two, 2-2, two. Two, two. yeah, pretty solid. I'm going to go for a 1-1. One, one. I think that we're not going to be open enough to create that many chances. It's going to be on the road. We know what Dice is like when we go away from home. It's it's far more compact than than we do get to see at, at Goodison. But I'll go for a one-one. I think we definitely can pick up a point. I think there's weaknesses in their side that some teams have managed to kind of expose a bit this season. Newcastle only beat them one 0 Newcastle have also had a relatively strange start to the season though. And I think if you look at that on the face of it, I do I want to be walking away with a minimum of a point, if not three. We can't keep losing games. We can't be six games into the season with two points. Um, no, well, no way. I, I think we get with one point, really, if we lose the game. And yeah, we we absolutely need to start picking up points. Hopefully a win. That's coming up uh, tomorrow. It's, it's the evening kickoff, of course. Uh, the slightly inconvenient Brentford away at half five on a, on a Saturday. Yeah, uh, especially but... when you're going like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Very that's, inconvenient. That's not ideal at all, but... That is, that's pretty much all we could talk about football-wise, I think, because there is so much news elsewhere at the club that we are going to have to uh, get our teeth into. I think that since the last time that, that we spoke on the podcast, it has been announced. It's been relatively out there for quite a while now. Club announced that uh, 777 Partners are purchasing uh, machineries, what, 94.1% in the club. Uh, that is subject to, of course, all the all the approval from all the regulatory bodies. 
Now, there's been a lot of conflicting reports about whether that is going to be particularly feasible, especially earlier on when it was announced. The ESC seemed pretty convinced that they didn't have the, the funds to be able to do that, that it, it wouldn't pass. There's been more rumours now that now, uh, that, well, it came out in The Athletic, of course, didn't it, that they are loaning us money seemingly on like a weekly or a monthly basis to basically just keep us afloat until they can pass all the, all the process, which is a really worrying time for the club that, the people who are buying us are now having to keep us afloat before they've even injected any major money into the club. Yeah, I'm I'm sick of all the speculation now, to be honest. It's one of those where I just I just wanted to go through now and move on from it because there's so much talk from both ends. You really could create any form of picture based on a few articles that have been seen because there's so many worrying articles, but there's also a lot of green shoots coming out in the last few days. I know that particularly Alan Myers has been saying that Josh Wander's now spoken to Sean Dyche, Kevin Felwell, and they've had positive talks. There's also the the feeling starting to come out from around the club now that they are trying to get us on a steady footing as a club, and that sounds like perhaps what we need. So, yes, there is some worries about how they deal with other clubs, but now there's positive news as well. I think it's, it's hard to make a judgment, and it's a case of wait and see and see what happens, and I'm prepared to give them a chance because I think that, you know, we're going to have to give them a chance, aren't we? It's a fresh start, and it seems like it's going to go through now. I, from what I've heard, like from the bobble and other people, it seems like that they've they've showed proof of funds, and they've pretty much shown that they're going to get through the ratification process. And it's just a bit of a formality now, but we'll have to wait on see and that wait and see on that. But for me, yeah, fresh start, and I just I just hope it goes well because we just. We need some success, don't we? And we need stability. And if they can get us on a financially even footing, then that's exactly what we need, isn't it? Even if it's not the most exciting of things, if they can make us stable and make the club earn money itself and run itself, then that'd be fantastic. Yeah, as you mentioned there, they've been at Finch Farm this week, Josh Wanda and someone else who we're going to get into very briefly. That And Dice has mentioned that, saying, you know, very casual talks, just kind of learning a bit about the club, wanting to see what, what the manager's perspective was on it. And, I think it's probably only a positive sign that they are interacting because amongst all the talk that the move might not go through, if they're there, if they're talking to the manager, if they're talking to Kevin Thelwell, look, they've not had a tremendous track record so far. I think if you look at the clubs that they do currently own or part own, there's plenty of protests against them. How far can they spread that fund across? I don't know how many clubs it is now. It's quite quite a few. As, as we were just talking about just before we came on the podcast, though, that we will be the figurehead of this multi-club model. It, whatever your opinion are, is on the multi-club model, I'd, I'd imagine most are kind of against it. It's not a particular, it's not very traditional football. It's not, we are now going to be just part of a, of a bigger group, which is, I'm sure it has its positives and its negatives. I mean, you look at the likes of City and the City Football Group, you look how well they've done. It does work for some. Chelsea are trying to do it now. Of course, they bought that, they've bought Strasbourg. I don't know if they have stakes in a Belgian club as well. I might have just made that up entirely, but... It does look like that is the way football is the direction that football is traveling in. And if we do end up being part of that, that multi-club model, we will be the figurehead. We're a Premier League club for now, for this season at least. <laughs> Hopefully we could we could stay there for the rest of the year. And uh, an article that came out from the Liverpool Echo, it wasn't only Josh Wander that was at Finch Farm. It was also Don's Dranfield, who uh, was the former chief strategy officer at the City Football Group. I don't know about you, Ellis, that sounds pretty good. That sounds really good, actually. I think when I read that, I was quite excited because we look at the City Group and that is the best of the multi-club models, isn't it? That is the multi-club model put into absolute perfect practice. And I think the way that they operate is absolutely superb Like across all of the clubs, the infrastructure, the way that the teams play, the, the 
quality of all the teams and the fact that they can be used for other things like commercial, like Manchester City have their American team, which they generate so much commercial revenue from having that option. And I think that's something that I'm looking at as a positive with uh, 777 as well. That American, the fact that they are American means that marketing commercial wise, we might expand to further options for revenue. I think, I think it'll be massively useful for us in that sense, because we know that American football owners have a keen eye on where they can, can gain extra revenues. And hopefully that could mean perhaps NFL games, the new stadium and any welcome revenue is good for us, isn't it? And I think the new stadium is something that needs to be utilized commercially. And I think it sounds like these guys really want to. And I'm sure that was one of the most attractive things about the club, this stadium that's coming in. And I did see Alan Myers say this week that he thinks that us having this stadium is going to prove invaluable in the next few years because other clubs are also going to want to build stadiums, which are suddenly going to cost more like £2 billion rather than the 750 that we're paying. So it might be massively beneficial that we're getting it in now, even if we do have to endure a bit of pain in the process. Yeah, absolutely. If When you look at the likes of um, uh, the City Football Group, as you said, they are the, the shining model, really. They are the best example of what we've seen so far. <laughs> We'll have to see if it goes through. Of course, this is something that we keep coming back to, and that um, the the big talk, of course, was that if uh, if seven 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 took over the club, that MSP would then call in their loan straight away. They gave us a hundred million towards the stadium. Uh, that was potentially a stumbling block or uh, right to media funding. Of course, that elusive company with no employees, no no assets, no nothing that just lend everyone money in the <clears throat> in the Premier League, and that. Apparently, according to Esk and according to Paul Brown as well, who's been kind of leading the way in terms of talking about 777, he's written so many articles now and is really, to be honest, excellent. If you want to learn more about them, you, you have to check out the stuff that he's done. But apparently neither of them have objections to the, the the potential purchase, which is really good at the end of the day, because when we picked up that loan from MSP, it was immediately positive news because we need that that gap in stadium funding that, that we that we don't have that was meant to be coming from MSP if they were allowed to uh, to purchase that stake in the club, but that didn't end up materializing. I just I really don't know what to make of the move to be fair because we could talk and talk and talk about whether you know whether it's going to happen. We just it is a matter of waiting and seeing. These this is a these are massive money deals. This is not something that can kind of just happen overnight. There are so many processes I'm sure that have to go through that we are we are not privy to that, that we have no idea anything about, but. Let's see how it develops. On the whole, I'd say I'm, I'm still just on the fence about it, really, because as good as it all sounds, as good as it sounds from their, their footballing perspective, it looks like they, they run a model maybe similar to the likes of Brentford or Brighton, where they're very data-driven. A potential CEO who was working for as chief strategy officer for the City Group, that all sounds tremendous. But when you look at every other club that they have investment in, it, it's that's what makes me worried, because they, there's, there won't be... They, they will be protesting every week against them for, for absolutely no reason. Financially, you look at the likes of like Standard Liège, who are really struggling to do anything. Looks like Genoa, they seem to be crowdfunding from the fans to pay for their new training ground or part of the new stadium. I'm not sure what that was, which is immediately worrying because in terms of being strapped for cash, we know all too all too much about that. And this loan that they're having to give us, it's all just, we are, we're in a position now where we're so financially unstable that, it looks it's almost getting to the point where anything looks like it might improve our situation but if we end up with them and they don't have the funds then we might just end up in this situation all over again in, in a couple of years down the road so we will have to see how it gets on but do you know about this i think you sound probably slightly more positive than me about it 
Now, there's always noise, isn't there? And I'm just, I'm going to wish them all the best. And it's a, a clean slate, a fresh start. The only people who know how that the, they're planning on running the business is Josh Wander and 777. We can speculate all we like about whether they'll run us perfectly, whether they'll run us into the ground. Who knows what they'll do? Because you think when Fahad Mashiri came in, no one knew how he was going to run the club. And yes, there are examples of how they've run other clubs, but also we have to remember that every club that they seem to take is already financially struggling and, and they have a business model, which a lot of the talk sounds like they feel like they've been hard done by a bit. And I am not prepared to kind of take a view either way yet. And I, I'm really just wanting to wait and see and see what happens because at the end of the day, it's a new start. They're at a new club. They might have completely different plans to run Everton than any other club. So I'm literally just going to go, you know what, fresh start, wish them all the best and see what happens because we're not financial experts at the end of the day, are we? Well, speak for yourself, mate. I actually know a lot <laughs> about the intricacies of, of the football transfer uh, market. But yeah, I think it is just a matter of waiting and seeing, really. I think there is there are still so many questions to be answered. There is such There are gaps in funding all over the club at the moment that they're going to have to fill or satisfy. They're going to have to satisfy current lenders to the club. They're going to have to find the money for the rest of the stadium. They're going to have to put just pump money into the club in terms of working capital because at the moment we barely have enough money to keep the lights on week to week, which they are currently doing. It looks like they're already loaning us that money, seemingly in the region of 20 million, I think was the, was the talk. I know that David Olstein wrote the article and didn't mention any particular number, but it was in the tens of millions. And I have seen 20 being thrown about on Twitter. And then, of course, the the, the kind of the big bit is paying Farhan Mashiri and the, the structure of the deal sounds all a bit, a little bit too like our transfer window. It sounds like it's going to be very much performance-based or performance-driven, maybe a pretty low down payment to, to start off with, maybe because that's in they, they know that if they're going to be investing money into the club, then they're not going to stump up this, what, 500 million that Mashiri's been talking about that he wanted for several years now. That was just a ridiculous kind of... I mean, to be honest, as a Premier League club, we should be worth in the region of 500 million, if not more, but we're not at the end of the day. Uh, we're incredibly strapped for cash. We have a massive stadium to fund. We have... Well, we have wages to pay. Our wage model is still, I know it's been reduced massively. I know that we've cut loads out of the wage bill, but you still look around, you see the likes of Andre Gomez still at the club, which is absolutely ridiculous. What's he on? 120k a week. I don't know how long that contract's been going for, but he's still knocking about. Deli Ali won't be on a, on a small wage. So lot has been cut out of the wage bill, but there's still that to pay. And there's so much money that needs to be invested in the club and it needs to be done so specifically and so precisely that... It is just a matter of time. There is There are a lot of questions to be answered, uh, but we will see. It's about, what, a week on from, from all the from all the news now? Let's see. I was sat on a, the sunbed on holiday while the news broke and just relaxing with, not didn't think anything was going on back home with Everton. And then I got a nice Twitter notification and the whole world went into a discussion then. Hey, I was sat in the I was sat in the countryside somewhere with no Wi-Fi or phone service. So then I, I walked I went I went into this pub and all of a sudden I just refreshed Twitter. Twitter's <laughs> gone mental. Apparently we're getting taken over. I can't believe the minute I step away from my computer, this is when this all happens. Uh, but yeah, relatively exciting times at the club. Hopefully we can sort things out on the pitch and off the pitch. So many questions to be answered in the coming months, but of course we will be keeping you up to date with all of that across the channel and of course on this podcast we're going to be digesting all the major news for the past week as always we like to review the match that's just gone the match that's coming up uh, and give a, a couple of predictions along the way but that is pretty much all we have time for today ellis has to run off and get a train back to leeds ellis so thank you very much mate um you excited for brentford yeah i am i'm going from leeds because i'm at university there and uh 
it's a long trip. I'm going to get home really late on Saturday night, so I'm not really looking forward to that. But if we come on with three points, then I'll happily stay on a train till 4am if, if they need me to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it is a good performance on the road then for all the all the travelling blues, yourself, Ellis. Hopefully we managed to pick up three points, our first three points of the season with all the, the takeover talk. It seems like we keep forgetting that we are on a, we are currently 18th with one point after a relatively decent start of the season and the only two clubs that were above uh, Burnley and Luton, who both played a game less than us. So let's see how we get on against Brentford. Thank you all very much for listening or watching uh, and join us next week uh, where we'll bring the podcast back, hopefully, with some good news about three points and maybe some more news about the takeover. So see you later. <laughs>